At special times, believers in the Old and New Testaments believe that they ought to make covenants together vowing that they would obey King Jesus. Following in their footsteps, in 1638, Scottish Christians signed the National Covenant which rejected the enforcement of prelacy on the Presbyterian Church. When threatened to have these rights taken away, the Scottish Covenanters in 1639 united under the Blue Banner which read, For Christ's Crown and Covenant. As direct theological descendants of the Scottish Covenanters, the RPCNA still honors the Blue Banner for what it stands for, that Jesus is the only head and king of his church. The Blue Banter podcast's goal is to go about informing the reforming by introducing you to our pastors and under-shepherds of Christ's church. By listening to this podcast, you will have greater clarity on the blessings and challenges faced by each of our congregations. We pray that the Lord blesses you through this podcast for Christ's crown and his covenant. Welcome to the Blue Banter Podcast. My name is Aaron Murray, the pastor of Marion Reform Presbyterian Church in North Central Indiana. My name is Joe Smith, pastor of Westminster Reform Presbyterian Church in Denver, Colorado. And we have the great pleasure today to be joined by uh, Dr. Barry York, the president of RPTS and uh, a good friend of ours. So Barry, welcome, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to see you guys and be on the Blue Banter. This is exciting. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to have you. I was uh, telling Joe the other day that recently I had received two of the greatest compliments I think I've ever received in my entire life. Um, the first, someone said I looked like Thor, and I think they were talking more <laughs> about Fat Thor than uh, you know uh, <laughs> the other Thor. Um, but the second one is I had uh, two different people come up and, and tell me, you know, uh, something that I was doing here in the church just reminded me of what uh, you would do in ministry. And I took that as a, a great compliment. So I uh, just wanted to pass that along uh, to you to say that you are kind. influencing uh, the church very well. So we, we appreciate you very much. Well, I appreciate you saying that. It's good to be with you guys. It's hard to believe you've been out of RPTS now for six, eight months. Wow. Yeah, coming up on a year fast. here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, as I was kind of thinking about here being here in Marion, um, in some ways it seems that I'm kind of riding your coattails in, in a uh, way, uh, Dr. York, because you obviously, uh, the Lord used you to plant the church in Kokomo, Indiana, and then uh, Marion here, our congregation is a daughter plant of the Kokomo church. Um, so it's kind of fun to be able to study under you at RPTS and then be here at Marion, um, which you had a direct uh, hand in, um, at least planting the church, of course. We understand the Holy Spirit is the one who um, does this work, but uh, this idea of church planting is something that uh, you've had your hand in for quite some time, both with uh, Kokomo, as I mentioned, but there's another church plant uh, there in Beaver, Pennsylvania, that uh, you guys are involved in um, coming from the College Hill congregation, and I wonder if you could just spend a few moments kind of telling us about that, telling our listeners about the uh, church plant there in Beaver. Well, it was my experience in Indiana that just put on my heart church planting you know, being involved in the work in Kokomo. I still remember the year that all these students started coming over from Marion. And uh, so we got involved in that work as well. And so through the years, just of my pastoral ministry, being involved in those church plans, one up in Elkhart, it, it was on my heart when I came out to Pennsylvania, that if the Lord willed, that he would direct us to a place where we could be involved in church planting. And I actually called uh, all the pastors in the Pittsburgh area and asked them, did they see themselves church planting in the near future? And the only one that responded positively to that at that time, because of just where everyone was, was uh, Titus Martin, the pastor at College Hill, who said, 
he could see them doing something along those lines, though there were no immediate plans. The congregation had filled the building and were looking to uh, looking to the Lord for answers for that. And so we moved. Uh, we, we purposely decided to move um, near the uh, College Hill congregation. We're a bit south of it, about 15 miles south of it. So I'd be a little closer to work that way. And over the years, uh, as I became an elder at College Hill, we just began to realize families were moving into this area that we live in, in the Beaver area. And we began a Bible study here that went on for, well, it's been going on for seven or eight years now. And it's just recently that that has begun to develop into more of a church planting work. One of the things that has caused it to take some time that you would be familiar with, Aaron, is the fact that College Hill just recently, uh, we we use the term hived a congregation uh, just a few blocks away from where it's located near the Geneva College campus, uh, where George Gregory is now serving as pastor. And of course, you're very familiar with mm -hmm. that work, Aaron, as you did a pretty long-term internship there. And so we had to let all the dust settle from that work and get things reorganized at College Hill. But as we're both experiencing both College Hill and Hope Community, by God's grace, uh, God is uh, continuing to bless both of those works. And to be honest, the College Hill building is filled again. Last mm -hmm. night for our evening service, uh, we had to set up extra chairs in the back, and that's for an evening service. Mm -hmm. uh, there was over 200 people in the building, and we just give God thanks for that. And it's that overflow that's led us to uh, developing a work over here in beaver mm -hmm. and uh when did the uh plant in beaver start yeah we would probably formalize the date would have been october of 2021 when we did our first evening worship service we asked the session for permission to do a once monthly evening service just to begin to raise a banner here in the area up until that time again it had just been basically bible studies and times of fellowship and we saw 50 to 60 people coming out uh, for those evening services in 2022. We increased it to twice a month and maintained that pattern through the year until the end of October, where we uh, asked, and of course this all took some planning and discussion, but eventually on October 30th, Reformation Day, uh, we did our first morning service and have done weekly morning services since then in the Bridgewater area, which is just adjacent to Beaver. We found a, uh, a restaurant that's going in there, has this beautiful banquet hall, and they're renting that to us. Mm -hmm. And that's been a great place for us to be able to meet for worship. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great. That's great. Who Who's uh, preaching there consistently? Is, is it you every time, Barry? Or Yeah, I'm serving as the organizing pastor. And you guys know I... I don't only like to teach preaching, I like to preach. And so I'm doing the regular preaching, but I have flexibility. We're bringing in uh, monthly the other pastors from College Hill. There's a pastor or two in the work that we'll utilize. There's also, I really want to see this church plant. Uh, and this is a great training ground for students. And so two of our current students are actually a part of the church plant. And uh, they will have a role to play as we as we move along. Aaron, do you got anything else on the church plant in Beaver you want to ask before I get to the next question? No, I think you're up. Cool. So um, Aaron and I both, and I'm sure this will come up later when you talk about how the seminary is training men for the task of 
church planting. Aaron and I were both in your uh, your one week intensive on church planting, and that was a that was a great course. What are though um, some of the unique challenges that church planters for guys who are aspiring to the ministry or guys who are in seminary right now who may listen to this and then just the the lay member who who may find this interesting as we're introducing them uh, to the pastors of the the denomination and the various challenges uh, that they're facing what are some unique challenges that church planters face in ministry as opposed to say guys like Aaron and I who got called to uh, congregations that have already been established mm-hmm. that's a great question i do believe first of all that church planting is unique that it's not just as 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 you go into a more established congregation, there's just some things that are not present. Uh, one of the biggest things not present, of course, are elders. Uh, that really defines a church plant is any leadership that they have is typically borrowed from other surrounding uh, congregations. And so that makes it very difficult for the church planter if he doesn't have that immediacy of ruling elders alongside him. And the stability that that brings so that that to me is one of the key the key challenges i also think it's a church planting properly done should be a, a largely evangelistic work and disciple making work and so i think that the church planter has to have certain skills that he brings to the table so to speak in order to go into a community and begin to really engage people um, outside the church uh, in in the study of the gospel. And so you want to look for people who are demonstrating those types of gifts and skills, uh, even before they go out on the field. I think sometimes um, I I served on the home mission board for six years uh, a while ago. And I know sometimes church plants would pop up and often what was generating those were just a few families who wanted to sing the Psalms together in our RPCNA circles and then we'd send a pastor who likes to sing the Psalms too, but maybe didn't have enough of a, an evangelistic spirit. And a lot of times those, those plants would just sort of fade away. Uh, we have to keep the gospel at the forefront um, in church planting. And so that's certainly one of the challenges. Resources can be a challenge. Uh, you often are looking for those who are willing to fund you. The church planter has to do Many things, believe it or not, uh, I've actually had to lead the singing before, which is not a <laughs> is not one of my spiritual gifts. <laughs> and uh, you find in church planting, you've got to be quite flexible, uh, willing to do whatever it takes in order to, you know, a lot of times you're renting places, you got to set up chairs, you got to be a servant uh, to people. A couple of other things I just mentioned, and then maybe you guys can banter with me a little bit more. You don't have a reputation in the community you go to. So you're new on the block and people tend to look at new startups, especially in uh, a religious one with an eye of suspicion. And so you have to do a lot to gain people's respect and regard um, that you're not just there trying to fleece them or do something uh, to them, but you're there to actually serve them and to love them. And another other thing that just always amazes me is how hard people's hearts are to the gospel. Mm. Uh, yeah, you can, you know, go and go and pour out your life for someone and just to see them close their, close their hearts to Christ. That hardness of hearts, always the, the biggest challenge of all, I believe. Yeah. I remember you telling us there were, there were seasons where you felt like you were knocking on so many doors. Your, 
your knuckles were were going raw on you um yeah so i mean those are those are certainly some of the challenges what what would just be some blessings i mean as a man that's that's done it i mean it would seem you know maybe the uh the intimate fellowship you would have uh with some of the other members involved as you're kind of all in this new work together could be one but um what are what would be some of the blessings that that await a church planter who does have those gifts um, that you that you just mentioned and is is willing to do the hard work and to face those challenges you just mentioned? What are some of the blessings that could maybe uh, motivate somebody or keep somebody going, if you will? Well, it was really uh, as a intern studying under Dave Long back in Lafayette. Even before I went to seminary, I did a year long study in the Book of Acts. And just going through that book and taking time to just really meditate on what the Lord was doing there and just seeing basically church planting is in the Bible. And so it's it's part of God's way of spreading his kingdom through the planting of new congregations, as we see, whether it was through persecution after the stoning of Stephen and just the church being scattered and spreading that way, or a more intentionality that took place during the missionary journeys of Paul. Uh, it's just a very biblical uh, way of spreading the kingdom, uh, giving yourself mm-hmm. and sacrificing yourself to go out and take the gospel to others. And for t- and to me, that creates a great joy and blessing as you participate in something that's just biblical. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So just seeing God bringing people to faith, the angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner repents. Mm-hmm. And there are studies that show that... Um, Church plants, percentage-wise, tend to be more fruitful. In other words, um, if you want to evangelize people, one of the best ways to do so is to church plant, because you are you are putting a community of people right in their backyard, so to speak, that can have the most close-knit relationship with them, and it gives you avenues by which you can go and share the gospel uh, with them. So I, I would say that's a great blessing just to see the fruit of people coming to know to know Christ. Maybe one other thing I would just say is, uh, you know, in a church plant, it's all hands on deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually everybody has to be involved in one way or another. In larger churches, it can be easy to come and, you know, maybe be there for worship and not really get involved in the life and the flow of the church. It was pretty difficult in the church plant to do so. Yeah, I always remember. I don't. I don't re- remember the, exactly the book. I, I've got an idea, but I'm afraid I would be wrong if somebody went looking for it. But one of the books you had us read for that class, I just loved the imagery. And one of the authors talked about, you know, just in a sense, it's the it's the biggest affront to the kingdom of darkness to to go and church plant. You know, it's you, you see sports, mm-hmm. and it was a. It was a big mess a while back. I don't know if it was in the Michigan, Michigan, Ohio State game or what, but after the game, Michigan or whoever went and stood their flag up in the middle of the field, you know, and people understand that's a that's a big deal. You're saying this is our house, you know, and it's one yes. thing to go out street preaching and evangelizing, but planting a church is essentially like taking the flag and sticking it, you know, in the the territory, if you will, of the kingdom of darkness. And it's a that imagery from that book is always just kind of stuck out in my head, you know. Yes. And Satan doesn't want the kingdom to advance and there's always attacks. And to be honest, I can't go into details in this setting, but we've already had one, an attack, uh, mm. a real difficulty that we're having to go through right at this time. Just just as soon as we start, yeah, you can almost anticipate there's going to be something. And it always surprises you. You never could guess what it would be because Satan is crafty, but he has, he has mm. attacked. Well, I think that 
kind of leads into one of our questions. We're not really going in order, I guess, at this point, but uh, you already mentioned church planting is kind of something where it's all hands on deck. Um, so if we've got families who are interested in uh, joining a church plant, what are some things that uh, you can expect um, as a family and what would be some things that maybe um, those who are involved in leadership of the church plant would expect of those families as well? Well, as I said, you can't hide. So you're going to be very welcome at the door. And uh, and if, if, if a family actually joins the church and is in a position where they can be entrusted with responsibilities, you can be sure that there will be some ways that they'll be immediately involved uh, just because there's just so much to do in a church plant, whether it's helping in the nursery or helping set up and tear down all those types of things that are going on. Uh, we're currently doing some neighborhood visitation. And so going out and handing out flyers, inviting people to church, or one of the things that we've started in this particular church plant is once a month, we feel like people's lives are just so busy. And we all talk about yeah, we need to have a night where we invite our neighbors over for a meal. And yet it rarely happens if you just leave it up to your own personal schedule. And so one of our events we're doing right now each month is we're calling it community home meals, where a family in the church will have a meal and they'll have another person or two in the church join them. But the idea is also to invite some neighbors over just to create a network of friendships. And we're leaving it up to each host family to decide how they want to handle the night, uh, how much they mention about their Christian faith, or if they want to invite people to Bible study, whatever. We're just wanting people to engage their neighbors and friendship because people are isolated. Even though we're hyper-connected through social media, a lot of people don't even know their next-door neighbors. And I think in church planting, it gives you an opportunity just to get to know the people around you. And to be honest, I'm I'm pretty excited because... It's been a little difficult for me in my particular role, the busyness of the seminary and being involved in a church 15 minutes away. It's always been hard for me to feel like I could invite people I was meeting in my community. But now that the church plant is right here, I've already had opportunities to talk to people and invite them to the to the church. And so that's one of the things that I think is exciting about involving you know new families. There's just a host of activities like this that you can utilize them. And even as you're wanting to make sure that you're giving them the appropriate amount of time uh, to be enfolded into the group. I was just preaching yesterday from Ephesians 4, and I was reminding the congregation that we're a body that Christ is building here. And as much as we desire for the Lord to add to this body through conversions, we've got to make sure that we don't overlook one another uh, in the process. So we're trying to like this community home meals, trying to create fellowship among our own, even as we try to invite other people to be a part of us. Yeah. So it's kind of like a pulling in and holding on kind of a mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I'm just curious as you are doing those community dinners, um, how responsive have people been particularly as we're kind of, well, it depends on who you talk to, I guess, but as we're kind of coming out of the pandemic, um, how responsive have people been into going into, well, for most part, complete strangers' homes? Yeah, we're excited. We we really only had one. The We had a time in December set, but a lot of us got ill. Mm-hmm. And so we had to cancel them. So we have another one set here for January. So we just started in November. But the first one, we had a number of unbelievers coming into homes. And the reports were very positive. People were 
really excited to just be invited to come over, enjoy a meal and get to know one another. And in both cases, conversations about the church, about Christ uh, were on the table, so to speak. And so I was excited to hear about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's very exciting. <laughs> Transitioning a little bit into kind of what a family can expect going into a, a church plant. Um, as we think about um, those who are ordained in the ministry or are seeking to um, go into ordained ministry, um, particularly in the Protestant evangelical world, church planting is all in vogue. It's kind of the hot thing um, to do. And in your estimation, what are some good reasons to um, go into church planting? And then what are some um, reasons that you might say, well, let's pump the brakes <laughs> on this church planting endeavor. Uh, so I guess good reasons and bad reasons to um, do a church plant. Well, I'll do the positive first, I guess, Aaron, um, and beyond some of the things I've already mentioned about it being biblical and a great way to reach the loss. And uh, it helps develop leadership. You know, one large church, typically there can be a hierarchical structure to these larger congregations and the leadership sort of rises to the top. But when you church plant, it starts calling people to go out and exhibit leadership uh, on their own. And so I think that's a great, a great uh, reason to church plant as God, you know, part of being a seminary is we're asking the Lord to raise up new leaders. And so to have uh, some of those go out and be involved in new works is important. I think our, just the changing landscape uh, here in America is showing us we need to be planting churches. Uh, one of the areas of growth that I'm excited about in the RPCNA is among the Chinese uh, it's incredible what's taking place. Uh, we have two Chinese uh, congregations starting up in Vancouver, uh, Canada. Uh, there's one in California. We have one here locally in the Pittsburgh area in the North Hills part. Um, I was just talking to one of our, one of the guys that graduated with you men, uh, Jerry Foltz, who's, um, did he graduate with you or see the year before? He, he was All a year before. Running together. He was a year before, year. but uh, but we love That's the guy right. so much. We'll include him in, in the 2022 graduates. Yeah. <laughs> but Jerry, uh, I was just talking to him in Indianapolis, and they're bringing one of our former graduates down uh, to possibly explore church planting in the Indianapolis area. Some of the students at RPTS are talking about this. So part of the urbanization of our nation, the immigration of our nation is calling us to church plant. And it, it's calling for new skills. <laughs> uh, there was a point where I was being asked questions about whose responsibility is it? Is it the global mission board or the home mission board's responsibility to church plant among uh, internationals in the United States? And I actually had conversations with people in both boards and they were sort of pointing to the other. Well, that's the global mission board's responsibility. No, that's the home mission board's responsibility. And actually, they're having a joint meeting uh, here in the next month or two in order to clarify some of this so that we can think together better how to, to handle this exciting opportunity that the Lord is giving. So I would say, just seeing what the Lord is doing among the nations, he's bringing the nations of the earth here to us. Uh, we need to meet them with the gospel and ask the Lord to, to allow us to be a part of, uh, of that. Yeah. What, what would be some um, reasons that you would say, this is probably not a good reason to do a church plant, um, whether it's the character oh, yes. of, of the individual or um, I don't know, pick, pick your poison as to why, 
we might pump the brakes on a church plant? Uh, I think one band, one bad reason is what we might call brand building, where we're just trying to, you know, get the name of our own denomination or ministry out there and let everybody think that we're, that we're great because we're growing type of thing. We might not think that happens too much in the RPCNA since we're so small, but it can. Um, just kind of taking a pride in uh, our some of our distinctives and just trying to you know, plant a blue, ba- blue banner somewhere just for the sake of saying that we've got a church plant in another community. Of course, we're part of the RPCNA, and so I'm excited when our denomination does uh, see new works develop. But I think it's so important in church planting to realize that it's a, it's a work of sacrifice, of dying to self, and um, dying for the sake that others might find the life of Jesus Christ as you, as you give yourself to them. And so if you're going in with this mentality of pride, I think it makes it very difficult. It puts barriers up for people to actually uh, be, a part of your, be a part of your group. Another bad reason to church plant would be just simply division. You can't get along, and so you just divide and separate uh, for that reason. When we were involved in the church plant with Hope Community being hived off of us, you keep hearing people talking about we're splitting apart, and and we kept saying uh, the word splits a four-letter word. You can't use that. (laughs) We weren't splitting. Uh, we were multiplying, we were sending, we were hiving, we were doing all these positive things. And it wasn't easy uh, because you're pulling apart people who have a history and a love for one another, but you're seeking to expand and to grow and to develop. And so I think we have to keep that kind of a mentality when we talk about church planting. Yeah. So some of it has already been touched on. I mentioned, and, and you can mention it again and say anything you want about it. Um, that Aaron and I both took the church planning uh, practicum, the one-week intensive. I remember that being a, a pretty full class. Uh, but including that, speak to that how you will. But how is how is the seminary training men for the task of, of church planting in, in the world today? Well, I'm glad you mentioned the class because I'll take, the, take a moment at the end here to advertise it because um, we're going to have another one this year. But I would say in answer to your question that our training at RPTS is far more comprehensive than only a, a singular class. We want our students to have a kingdom mindset and service. So whether we are directly involved in a church plant or not, that we're all that all of us would see the need and, and participate in one way or another in supporting church planting. So I think that really starts just at the ground level with our theological basis, like your systematic year, Old and New Testament studies, all of that down as a foundation, because that's, if you don't have your doctrine correct, if you don't have your knowledge of God's word correct, and you go out and multiply that, that becomes cancerous on the kingdom of God. Uh, Mm -hmm. You want to, we want to plant confessional churches, uh, churches Mm -hmm. that are adhered to the Westminster Confession of Faith, that believe in the doctrines of of the Reformation. And so it's so important to really ground our students uh, with theological knowledge. But we've always wanted our, our training at our PTS to be devotional in nature as well. And so we really seek uh, to be a place where we're worshiping together, you know, the chapels each day, the times of prayer with one another, 
that we're really holding our students accountable to be worshiping God and maintaining the, the kind of character that uh, really is true of a shepherd of God's people. Because if a church planter is anything, he's got to be a shepherd. He's going to go out and he's trying to find lost sheep and bring them into the fold. And so he has to have a shepherd's heart. And then we want our training to be practical as well, that it's not just classroom, but it's it's helping students to see how this works itself out in very practical ways. So you guys know, like, we didn't just teach you evangelism. We had you go out and do evangelism. Evangelism is mm-hmm. a huge part of planting. We didn't just talk about counseling with you. Uh, we had you trained in counseling to the point if you progressed in that program that you were actually engaged in counseling other people, preaching the same way, just was really trying to get you guys out preaching in various places and growing and developing in that, not just listening uh, to a lecture on it. And so we want the training to be very practical in a comprehensive way. And then as God puts on people's hearts, particular callings, such as uh, church planting, then we do have this course that trains uh students uh, really helps them go through this uh, week of preparing a plan that they can uh, utilize uh, for their first year of church planting. And it's been exciting to see people utilizing that and using church, these church planting tools, not only here in America, but uh, we've had uh, Chinese, Indian, other nations studying these uh, church planting skills and putting together a plan so that they can engage their culture uh, with the gospel. Yeah, I noticed in the class it was it was there were a couple guys in there that um trying I I don't want to speak too much to the exact situation they were in I bet one of them I think was was Ross Faring heading out to Sparta so not a technical church plant but in a sense perhaps a a revival worker starting with a very small yes. nucleus so so those kind of guys would also benefit greatly from that class the content in it cuz a lot of similarity in revival work and and planting work, if you will, and that was seen in the uh, the populace of the class. Yeah, I do teach a vital churches class, and there is crossover, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, work to rebuild. Right, right. Oh, yeah, certainly would be um, unique challenges to that as well. That'd be a, another episode. Um, so, I mean. You, you kind of spoke to it, just the, the overall comprehensive vision of the seminary and everything you just said is is spot on to what a guy would get at the seminary. And I just remember being there, um, you know, and I, I think I said in the the senior address I got to give that, you know, I had, I had heard somebody mention on that RPTS was the, the hidden gem of the Reformed world and i just found that to be so true experientially in my own life and the life of the 2022 class it's just such a unique place um and and really only good ways that i can think of and the the professors there are just amazing and and top-notch guys but you know just playing off that what a What's what's going on at the seminary now? Um, what's some updates mainly uh, that are going on at this point? Um, how could how could guys donate? Um, people, families uh, donate to the work there because it it really is amazing what um, the staff's doing, especially what has been going on there since since you kind of took the helm, uh, if you will. It's it's, it's an amazing place. <laughs> Any time I can help to advertise it. Uh, 
it's it's a blessing. So if you could just give a brief update and, and how people could stay up to date and donate to the work. Or... Barry, before you do that, I just want everyone to notice that uh, Joe just gave a little humble brag that he was the summa cum laude student of the 2022 class giving the <laughs> you know student address. So we all love you, Joe. <laughs> but go, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> Poor Joe. He, Aaron's always got to be digging you a little bit. Thank you for that, the recognition of that fact. <laughs> well, uh, this year actually marks 100 years in Rutherford Hall. Uh, we've been mm. in the particular building for 100 years of our 212-year history. And we're really excited about just uh, where we're located. We're thankful to be in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, God has uh, blessed us in that community. And we're in, a, as you guys know, an old mansion that was once known as the Gables or the Horn Mansion. And so we're doing, we're continuing to do renovation work just to make the building a place that's more suited for the training that we're seeking to do. So it goes from anything to just opening up some of the main floor rooms and finding out that there was wooden floors underneath carpet to putting in lighting that's more appropriate and just making the environment there more of a we really want it to be like a home. Uh, I always talk about how RPTS is a, it's a community, it's a family, and we're, we literally are housed in a home. And so we want it to feel like a theological home and training place for our students. And one of the big things that we're doing currently is renovating the dungeon. Uh, the mm. basement is <laughs> crews coming in this week to start really ripping it up and tearing things out. And we hope to have a, a newly restored kitchen and dining room mm. and actually a student lounge, a true student lounge uh, down there. So that's been part of what we're uh, working toward. And uh, we will have a special campaign this year to try to raise some funds to help us to continue to renovate uh, the building. And though we're excited about these renovations, we always remember the building's not the ministry. It just frames the ministry uh, of what's going on inside, and we continue to be excited about what the Lord is doing in our midst. A couple of areas that we're particularly encouraged by is we decided to start a chaplaincy program, and we had our first chaplaincy course uh, last uh, summer. We weren't sure exactly how it would work out. It was more of a step of faith. We, we thought there was a need, and Ever since we started this chaplaincy concentration, we begin to receive a lot of interest in it. And now we have a couple of men who are students who are studying in order to become chaplains in the military service. Um, both of you men know my son-in-law, Tommy, uh, who was shot in the line of duty as a police officer. He was actually here this week looking at the program. We're not sure that's where he's going to end up, but just... There is an interest out there in the chaplaincy program, and so we're excited about that. We've also just seen, as we work with uh, our adjunct professor of missions, Vince Ward, how to train men on the mission field. And Vince has developed a program he calls cross-training, and he's using that with some of our own mission students to get them prepared to help uh, on the mission field. But he basically is working through a program with leaders on mission fields, indigenous people who need more training. And he's taking them through a, basically a Bible college level, a training program. And then from there, some of those men he hopes would uh, study further with us at RPTS. 
And just a month ago, I had in my office one of the fruits of our South Sudan uh, missions uh, sitting there with me, uh, talking about coming to the, to, to the end of his training with Vince, and he's pretty eager to go online and train with us as he runs a ministry in South Sudan taking care of uh, uh, street children. So it was an incredible opportunity just to see the, the, the Lord bringing together theological education and missions. To me, that's very, very exciting. And one of the things that we're currently working on, as I mentioned, all of this interest in the Chinese world, um, we're working on trying to get some of our classes so that they can offer Chinese script so that those in the Chinese languages could actually utilize our classes as classes for the training of their men. And so that's a big project that we're looking into uh, at this current point. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. How could, um, how can people stay up to date? Uh, I know you put out YouTube videos from time to time. Um, how, how can people stay up to date on the seminary? And then, you know, if people do want to give, is it, is it as easy as, calling up the, the front desk and saying, how can I write you a check or, or how, how can people <laughs> donate to the work there at the seminary? Yeah. It's kind of funny. You make me sound like I'm a real YouTuber, but that's far from the case. <laughs> uh, we, uh, the, probably the easiest way is just go to our website at rpts.edu. And on the top, you can see that there is a give page and it mm -hmm. instructs you on how you can give uh, to the seminary. And you can also contact us at, at that uh, website uh, if you'd like to be put on a mailing list. We send out monthly newsletters, and or you can like us on Facebook, and you'll see regular updates on Facebook as well. Cool, cool. Thank you for that. Uh, we'll, we'll end with, we've been doing a fun question. I don't know if we'll uh, ask the exact same one to every pastor or not. I was somewhat demotivated uh, already when we asked <laughs> Kyle. And this was a, this was something that I, I threw out to my congregation at the end of a catechism lesson recently on shorter catechism question sixteen, and something I know was a debate in a class at uh, at the seminary that may be on one of the online lectures. And I thought Aaron and I would disagree on this, and so I thought it would be fun to have experienced pastors uh, solve solve it for us. But we actually ended up agreeing on it. And then Kyle disagreed with us on it, and so then I then I got a little demotivated, and so I guess we'll just see how far we can go uh, before before we get a pastor who who agrees with us on this. But just a fun question to end with: um, how how would Barry York answer the question? Could Jesus have gotten ill or sick? So not not did he, but could he have gotten ill or sick? Could he have succumbed to any, uh, if he was alive today in, well, he is certainly alive, He's alive today. today. He was, oh man, Joseph. Hey, oh my. No, you know what I'm talking about in the world today, in, in, in this earthly environment, could he have gotten COVID-19, I guess? Well, I guess my thought is that he, we know the scriptures tell us he was hungry. We know that he was tired. We know that he suffered. And so he was man. And so, yes, I think it was possible for him to be, become ill. Yeah. I, I anticipated also, you would go he also there. Had the power to, he also had the power to cast it out, though. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, I thought, uh, so Aaron and I actually were in agreement that Jesus could not get sick. I, I was influenced by a, a short article by David Murray, a Puritan uh, 
seminary professor on this and and Kyle Kyle agreed with you and so so it's he gave either, almost the exact same reasons just quoting yeah. the uh, larger catechism yeah 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 so yeah as we work our way through this I guess Aaron and I are either going to have to to rethink our theology or or maybe we're the only truly reformed guys in our <laughs> denomination. I'm not yes, sure. Yes, that's right. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, send me the article. You may I convince can. me. I can. No, I will. I will. Um, basically, what, what Murray appeals to, just to keep it short, is the fourfold estate of man. So he asks, simply, was Jesus created in the estate of glory? No. Obviously not in the estate of grace. He didn't need to be saved. That leaves two estates. Uh, innocence or sin, clearly not sin. The estate of innocence includes an upright condition. And so his his body was created upright and in the estate of innocence. And then you have um, the explicit scripture statements. For instance, he's called the Holy One and the Lamb without blemish and without spot. And the, the whole Lamb thing without blemish and without spot is certainly contrasted with the the lame and the sick um, sacrifices, which were mm-hmm. given. And then also a helpful distinction that Murray made was between, and, and I'm somewhat using my own language in this, but this is the, the distinction he makes between weaknesses or, or natural weaknesses of finite man, such as tired, thirsty, hungry, and unnatural weaknesses of fallen man. So things he succumbs mm-hmm. to because he lives in a fallen condition, uh, so on and so forth. And then he also appeals somewhat what you would have maybe hinted at John 10, 17 and 18, where no one can take Christ's life. Uh, no thing could certainly he lays it down. So I guess you could say, you know, could he have voluntarily given himself to illness if he so decided to? That would maybe, you know, maybe one would want to go there. But um, just this absolute uh, sovereignty over his life argues that Christ would have would have never died had he not laid his life uh-huh. uh, down voluntarily on the sheep's behalf and and things like that. So um, he quotes some guys in there, Smeaton and Athanasius and Spurgeon and Goodwin and some guys and some some works uh, that that have some good quotations too. But yeah, I think a, a couple of the students were getting into it with Gamble in class on that one, and that's the first time I'd ever I'm, thought I missed about out it. on that discussion. <laughs> yeah. well, we're always learning, so yeah, I, that's what I say about RPTS. The professors are always learning as well, so that's, no, yeah. that's food for thought for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it's amazing how much Kyle ended up texting me after the show. He hung around afterwards and talked to us for a little bit, and. I had a family that visited. They were all stirred up on it uh, when when I threw the question out there and said that was going to be their conversation the whole ride home. And I I think funny. Joseph, you're just proving to be a schismatic. You know, you're causing divisions. Oh man! Or you just you're just proving what Doctor York said is already said. I I, well, I, I was just recent. Yeah, I was just recently preaching and talking about how we do need to really reflect a lot on the humanity of Christ, not only his deity mm-hmm. and was thinking more about uh, just his development as a child there as mm-hmm. we see it in Luke chapter two. And so I think it is important to continue to reflect on his humanity because obviously how he became man and all that, that and all that he did in doing so uh, directly helps us to understand our savior uh, more and more. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. Well, Dr. York, we do thank you for having you on. Uh, sounds like Aaron and I probably are going to have to rethink our theology on, on this, <laughs> but uh, we, we thank you um, now uh, as far as just signing off for the blue banter again, I'm, I'm Joe Smith and co-host Aaron Murray. And it was our great privilege today to talk to Dr. York, the president of RPTS and, and uh, go ahead and go on over and, and follow the seminary and stay up to date on, on what they're doing for the church and for the kingdom at broad. So we thank everybody for listening today, signing off. 